Um, you know, just one of the biggest ones that's out there that everyone talks about is metformin. And people have heard about that for diabetics, but also for anti-aging. It's the number one anti-aging drug on the market, right? And interestingly, there's studies that have berberine and metformin head-to-head and show berberine just as effective, if not more effective, than the drug metformin. Welcome to Price File. Welcome back to Price File, everyone. This is Mike here, and I am back with the legendary Sean Wells, uh, who is the Chief Science Officer of NMB Nutrition and has more letters behind his name, probably more than even last time we talked, more letters behind his last name than I can remember, but he is a, a world-class, world-renowned formulator of supplements. He's a uh, registered dietitian, an ISSN fellow, and probably a zillion other things that I, I forget every time. But Sean, welcome back to the, to the show. How are things been going? Uh, I just want to start by saying today is January 3rd of 2020, so happy new year, happy new decade, and also... Uh, and this is actually the conversation we're going to have today is one that we talked about having like a couple of years ago, or a year and a half ago or so. And I've been like really, really waiting to get into the nitty gritty of this topic, which is berberine. And so welcome aboard. Super happy to have you here. Awesome. Thank you for having me, Mike. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. And happy 2020 to you. A year of good vision, right? Oh, thanks. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah, I'm ready to talk berberine. So, have you been using berberine or even dihydroberberine? Ooh, we'll get into that. So, yes, <laughs> I, berberine is a staple in my in my regimen. No matter what type, I like to get some sort of berberine-based supplement. And I've changed the way that I'm using it uh, because I'm, I'm a pretty very low-carb dieter, uh, but I cycle my carbs in post-workout right now and uh, 75 to 100 of them. So I'm actually using berberine five times, I'm using berberine three times a day, uh, somewhere between 250 to 500 milligrams of the standard berberine three times a day. So I will take it fasted, I will take it before bed, but I most importantly take it before that carbohydrate-based meal. And uh, there is no other ingredient Outside of maybe caffeine, because I'm a caffeine addict, but there's no other ingredient outside of that I really truly believe affects my my body composition as much as this. I notice, like when Great. I'm not on berberine, that um, I, I get a little bit more uh, a little bit more love handily, a little bit softer, yeah. and a little bit yeah, just not as not as sharp. And and when I was tracking it with a constant glucose monitor, I was always trending a higher blood sugar level when I wasn't using berberine regularly. And that was kind of good because of the sake of the, the experiments I was doing. But at the same time, for day-to-day basis, I noticed that I'm just on another level lower of blood sugar when I am using berberine regularly. So the answer is yes. And now in the last two days, I have started using dihydroberberine, which we'll, we'll get into as well. And yeah. um, I, I don't have, I'm not wearing a blood, blood sugar monitor or anything. I haven't done any specific tests yet but I definitely am feeling the same type of effects with a lower dose. And the, yep. the clear-headedness during my fast is definitely uh, there as well. And I, uh, I, I'm not on a roller coaster even nearly as much, even after that big 100-gram carb. If I forget to take the berberine when I, uh, when I take the carb bolus, I, I typically feel a little bit of the roller coaster, a little bit of the, the, the blood sugar swing. I don't get that feeling with berberine, and the same goes for the dihydroberberine so far. So that's my current status. Thanks for asking. Uh, what about yourself? 
Uh, well, I've been taking berberine for probably about seven years. I think it's one of the reasons that people say I look so young. Like I, I literally think it's, it's the most important thing you can take. We've talked about, most people think, oh, it's something for blood sugar and I don't have diabetes, so I don't need it. I think it's the number one most important supplement you can take because insulin resistance and then mitochondrial dysfunction and then glycation, inflammation, uh, oxidation can lead to all biological aging and chronic diseases. So it's like a windfall of so many things that I think it's just critical that we, even if you're quote unquote within normal limits on your blood glucose, hemoglobin, A1C, CRP, all those things, I still think pushing those down as much as possible is going to lead to longer life and better quality of life even if you're not insulin resistant. So I think it's the most important thing you can take. And then there's implications, certainly like with your followers, uh, being athletes with um, body composition, uh, body recomp, you know, all that kind of stuff and, you know, affecting AMPK and, and so on and so on. But I'm, I'm just talking about some of the aspects of reducing inflammation, reducing aging, reducing chance of diseases, uh, improving your longevity and quality of life. And berberine is literally the most important thing I feel you can take ahead of even multivitamin, fish oil, probiotic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Definitely. A lot of that stuff uh, you can get in through diet, but it's pretty tough to go. So like, well, let's talk about what is berberine then? So uh, do a little bit about the history. Is this yet another Ayurvedic? This is a supplement we're talking about, obviously, but is this an Ayurvedic type of thing? Is it a root? Is it tree bark? Like, where where are we getting this from, and uh, and how ha has it been historically used for this type, these type of purposes? You know, it, there's actually a lot of sources that have it. Uh, there's some present even in um, I think it's golden seal or echinacea, I believe. But like, this is typically like from Berberis Aristata, um, and yes, uh, Ayurvedic background. So Indian medicine, uh, they've been using it for, you know, whatever it is, thousands of years, kind of like ashwagandha and some of the other things that just seem to be amazing and profound that they have. Um, and it's a powerful alkaloid that does impact blood sugar, um, blood glucose and it seems to be, and like I was saying, so if you look at some of the data at reducing inflammation, reducing triglycerides, reducing blood pressure, reducing like uh, aging markers, like, you know, you could look at like the CERT family of genes, um, you know, you could look at telomere length, like this is really amazing. And, you know, the more, the more adipose you have, the more like inflammatory signals you kind of throw off. Mm -hmm. So this is one of those things that can help reduce uh, insulin resistance, help reduce waist circumference, help reduce the inflammation, and help you feel healthier as well as, uh, you know, just, oh, it lowers my blood sugar. Right. But I'm trying to put out there, like, it's so much more, like, blood sugar is so important.
And we're so insulin resistant because we're never doing fasting. We're never doing like keto style eating. We're never like, we're always just, we're eating six times a day. We're eating like high glycemic carbohydrate. We're too sedentary. So we're not like elevating ketones. You don't have to necessarily eat ketogenically. Like that's not a thing. It really never was a thing for like most cultures. That's kind of like a hack. But people did used to have low glycemic uh, carbohydrates as fibers. They used to have resistant starches. They used to like uh, have to hunt their food and work for their food and prepare their food and do glycogen depletion. They used to go days without eating because they just couldn't find the food. And all of that means elevated ketones. So I believe that, and you know, like during the winter when we were probably eating meat and all those things, those were elevated ketones. So we were probably in ketosis like 50% of the time and we weren't eating quote unquote ketogenic. Like people are like, oh, that's so like much of a fad. And like I ask them, well, you know, it's the new fad is to actually be using glucose 24 seven as a fuel. So that's, I think that's the problem. Um, is that we're insulin resistant because we're not tapping into this dual fuel system like we used to. Gotcha. So, I mean, taking a, a far, like, mile away zoom back of everything that you're talking about, pretty much we, we live in this society where we're obviously eating too much, too often, the wrong foods in, um, let's just say, a non-species appropriate manner. And it's caused us to obviously get all types of diseases that we didn't have 100 years ago. Like we had infectious diseases. We've kind of solved those problems with sanitation and vaccination, all that kind of stuff. But we now have this whole new slew of these chronic diseases um, such as you know hypertension, diabetes, uh, various, various, not all, but some forms of cancer, heart disease, atherosclerosis, and depression, a lot of these different things. And a lot of us are beginning to believe that not only is it because our activity levels have lowered, but also, more importantly, all of this toxic and new food that has entered the food supply alongside of the fact that we're not really uh, clearing it out as much. So we talk a lot about something about insulin resistance. And, um, and pretty much to, like my definition of that in two words is sugar saturation. At some point, your body is like just tired of stuffing sugar into fat cells. And I call or or muscle cells. You know, muscles are going to get full at some point, and that's what a lot of our athletes want to hear about. So, um, so we have to find ways of dealing with with clearing our bodies out of you know the, these this fat storing mechanism. And there's many ways of doing it, such as high intensity interval training, lowering your carbohydrate and overall calorie consumption, um, and also of course uh, fasting. So. There's, there's many different ways of doing that, but it seems like there's also this fourth path. There's this supplemental path, berberine, that is probably not going to do everything on its own, but is going to help, uh, help with the other things that I mentioned. And there's a lot of, it turns out that there's a lot of human-based research on this. So on the PriceWell blog, we've written an article, we have another one coming out about this ingredient known as berberine that makes you, uh, and, and it works on, let's just say, XYZ mechanisms, and it makes you more insulin sensitive meaning your body is going to be able to better handle the, um, the, the, the sugars and the, the taxes that you throw at it and not leave you in such a, let's just say, a toxic situation if you were to, say, have a, uh, a high load of carbohydrates thrown at it or not work out as hard one day or something like that. Um, 
And so that's kind of what we want to talk about is like, how is this, how is this happening? And, and is this like something that can really help society? And so we have like multiple types of people that might be listening to this video. First off, you have the people who are concerned about blood sugar, such as type 2 diabetics, or maybe, I'm not sure about type 1 diabetics, but, but definitely type 2 diabetics or pre-diabetic people, uh, people with hypertension and stuff like that. So those types of people who are, you know, using carbohydrates still, uh, but are starting to understand that there's, there's nasty effects. You put on a constant glucose monitor and you go eat a bunch of carbohydrates uh, alongside a bunch of toxic seed oils, you're going to see bad things happen. If you eat too late in the day, the whole next day is going to be nasty. It's just like we're learning a lot about, uh, a lot about this stuff just by monitoring ourselves better. Um, and then you're going to have a lot of people who are athletes. And we realize that a lot of us put on muscle better if we can throw in carbohydrates at the right times. And we can perform better if we throw in the carbohydrates at the right time. So that's debated. I am personally, uh, you know, for someone who's trying to really get after it, I am pro-carbohydrate. I love my post-workout, like I've already said. So a lot of people who are listening are going to want to know, how can I get my carbohydrates to sink in better? I want those carbohydrates to go into muscle, not fat. And then third, you have this whole angle of people who are just interested in general health and like just interested in what this ingredient does, maybe the anti-aging thing, the mitochondrial function thing, uh, you know, the, the overall disease prevention anti-aging st uh, style. So there's kind of three vectors. And, and I think what Sean's really getting here, my long story short is that what Sean's getting here is we're always talking about that first angle, the type 2 diabetics, the people who are worried about high blood sugar and the damage that the high blood sugar causes, which it does. But there's these other applications for this ingredient and for these other ways of living, like with, a, you know, intensity interval training and the fasting and the lower carb diet. Um, so it's it, uh, berberine and these, these various glucose disposal ingredients get thrown into the, the anti-diabetic realm. But I want to talk about the people who are not diabetics as well. And it seems like you do, too. So that's uh, yeah. hopefully my long explanation kind of back things up a little bit and we can kind of approach some of those. So is there anything to add to that? Um, you know, just one of the biggest ones that's out there that everyone talks about is metformin and people have heard about that for diabetics, but also for anti-aging. It's the number one anti-aging drug on the market, right? And interestingly, there's studies that have berberine and metformin head to head and show berberine just as effective, if not more effective than the drug metformin. So fascinating stuff. And again, this is one of the reasons I implore everyone to be using berberine or its metabolite dihydroberberine. Right. So with the metformin, um, and that metformin's kind of had a bad year in 2019. There was some stuff showing that like healthy people exercising probably shouldn't be using it. I'm not, I didn't really dig too deep into that cause I'm not a user. Uh, but are the mechanisms kind of the same? Like if I'm a healthy person taking berberine, uh, it seemed like with the metformin, it may it may hurt athletic performance in certain you know zones, for instance. But with berberine, um, do you suggest that that athletes who? And so that study was really interesting. Uh, but yeah, so with berberine, do you suggest that athletes who are training hard, even if they're low carb, are they still okay to use berberine? Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. And is it worth? It, does it work on a different mechanism than 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 metformin? I'm not really sure how metformin works. Similar. Similar, similar. There's other alkaloids that are that are similar to berberine too that that have similar effect, um, but they're all a little different. Um, they're all potentially complementary. Like you could actually take metformin and berberine; they work a little differently, but similarly. So, 
it gets super complex and there's again some other alkaloids I've I've researched but to me berberine shows the highest level of safety mm-hmm. and and the most benefit. Now one of the reasons that people are talking about um maybe it being contraindicated with working out if you're trying to put on muscle um is amp k. Amp k is this we know like, okay, I want to lose fat. So activate AMP K. That sounds great. But AMP K is like supposed to be the anti mTOR. And, you know, mTOR is all about building muscle. So like, that's where like the, the concern comes in. It's kind of like using anti-inflammatories like around your workout. Like, does that completely negate your workout? It's so much more complicated than that. There's, there's, the timing of things, there's tissue specifics, there's, um, it's not just like one thing's on and one thing's off and it's that simple. Um, so it's, uh, it's much more complicated than that. And, um, I have worked with many athletes. We don't have great studies on this, but I've worked with many athletes, some that are chemically enhanced, some that are not, and I've found that just again and again and again, it is not causing a problem. They are, they are accruing lean body mass. They are leaning out. They are reducing fat mass. Um, would I time it right around, like right pre-workout? No, I wouldn't. Um, but would I take it with like that post-workout carbohydrate? Yeah, I would take it then. So I would just try and take it around my highest carbohydrate-based meals. Now that begs the question, what about me, Sean, when I'm like keto and I'm even doing zero carb? Still take it. Because what happens is I get deeper into ketosis. It actually ups my ketones in and of itself. Berberine or dihydroberberine raises ketone levels as it suppresses blood glucose in and of itself. So, and then if you take it with like C8 MCTs or you take it with, um, you know, exogenous ketones or you take it with fasting, it just, it's like the augmenter, you know, it just, it's fuel to that fire to elevate ketones. So it's, it's just amazing. Like, uh, like there's no circumstance. I don't want to take it. And then you're like, well, what if I'm keto, but I'm like doing a cheat day and <laughs> use it like and sometimes I've actually gone pretty high with it. Uh, I've gone like, you know, a thousand, almost fifteen hundred milligrams oh, of berber in one dose. Regular like when berberine, not the dihydroberberine, which will regular berberine when I've gone like just hog or full ham or whatever you want to say on like carbs. I'm the double and, stuff uh, yeah, like, you know, there's like, uh, I'm there with my friend Jake here, like at the Texas State Fair or something, and, and we're just eating like all kinds of garbage. Mm-hmm. I go all in and my blood sugar does not move. I will tell you, like when I was first testing um, Biotrust IC5, like I came up with that formula when I was a formulator for Biotrust. And first off, let me say, probably 90% of the berberine out there doesn't test out and is garbage. So you have to go with a reliable company. I know we tested ours out with BioTrust. There's uh, Thorn is a company I've tested out. Like there, there's some good companies out there, but I wouldn't just get like a cheap brand and just assume it's good. Um, 
But that aside, so I was using berberine uh, just alone, and I did this uh, two separate weeks. I decided to do a carbohydrate challenge, similar to a uh, a uh, dextrose challenge, like you would do in a hospital to uh, to test your your insulin resistance. And uh, they usually do like a 75 gram dextrose load, but I was doing uh, two frosted pop tarts and five double stuff Oreos because <laughs> that is way better. Um, so I did this, and I was I was keto at the time, and I think because I was so strongly keto um, that I was actually a little like carbohydrate resistant. Yes. Like so. I've had that. So I was uh, within, like, I was testing my blood sugar every uh, thirty, every thirty minutes. I started out like sixty-five, seventy, and like within two hours, and I stopped checking at two hours. I was at one ninety-nine, which is crazy, and I wasn't even sure if I was coming back down. I checked like uh, four hours later, and I was back to to baseline, but. Um, I ended up like the next week doing the same thing um, with the berberine and crazy, crazy, crazy difference. Check this out. The same two frosted Pop-Tarts, the same five double stuff Oreos, the same 6570 baseline. And I never got above 100. And like and that was like uh at an hour and I was already coming back down at an hour and like at two hours, I was already like easily back to baseline. And so which yeah, is we had talked about this if, if for our listeners in our first podcast interview, which was all over the place uh, and a little bit less of a targeted discussion, this came up and I, I almost didn't believe you, but I, I did believe you. You said things like there was a lot of bunk I extract on the market. And I believe that, you know, been in the supplement industry for long enough to understand what's going on behind the scenes sometimes and that not everyone's testing everything and you got to know what to test for as well. But um, I went and I did, I, when I had my constant glucose monitor, I took the, I, I did a similar type of challenge, but for me, and I took Biotrust IC5 when it had dihydroberberine in there and it was unbelievable how well it worked. In fact, it like started dipping below before my blood sugar started going up. Like I didn't perfectly time it. And I was like, wow, Sean is really, this is the real deal. So we'll make a link back to that video. And I was just absolutely stunned. And that's when I was like, okay, Sean Wells knew what he was talking about and he is officially the real deal. I had to see it happen with my own blood work. And that's why I love the, the testing and wearing the, the constant glucose monitor. Um, but yeah, I've, I've noticed, you know, similar things with doing some of my tests in that when you are too far keto, yeah, you can, you know, some people call it like a type of insulin resistant, but yeah, I agree. It's more of a carbohydrate resistant where I prefer to become, I prefer to be metabolically flexible at least right. most of the time. And I want to be able to handle the carbs as well as, as the, uh, as the fats and everything. And one of the, one of the questions that comes up a lot with, with berberine here is for a lot of people listening to this, they've never been ketogenic in their lives or not for a long time. They're, they're, you know, a lot of, just on the standard American diet or their athletes are just hitting the carbs nonstop. And so a lot of times they're afraid to take berberine because they think it might drop their blood sugar too low and that they might go hypo. And in my case, I don't care because if my blood sugar goes low, my ketones go up and I'm fine. I'm able to handle both of them. But for a person who's new, do you, 
you know, a lot of the bottles, they always say on, the, on these supplements, Berberine, like take it with carbohydrates, take it with at least 50 grams of carbohydrates to 75 grams of carbohydrates. If you're someone who is not, you know, never been in ketosis lately, uh, for let's say for the last five years, is it a good, is it a bad idea to just take it fasted? Like, do you really need to time up Berberine with, with the carbohydrates? Because it ultimately will sink the blood sugar. And I kind of want to talk about where that blood sugar is going too, which I think is important. But first and foremost, what about the people who are afraid to take it because they're afraid of going hypo? I think that's a lot of our demographic. I would say uh, about nine out of the ten people that I've worked with on this, um, and you know, watch them with their blood work, uh, with glucose monitors, or doing just uh, finger pricks, um, and and seeing holistically, globally, how they feel. Nine out of ten people, not an issue not an issue at all. Mm-hmm. One out of 10 seems to, and this is true in, you know, in Mike, in all studies, like I'm telling you, like all studies that I've done, probably one out of 10 people just seem sensitive to nearly anything for feeling hypo and getting those symptoms, like from exercise, from foods, from medications, like it, it's crazy. Like now that I, this just kind of dawned on me because it happens a lot in studies. You'll get dropouts and you'll get people that get these hypoglycemic symptoms and there's a variety of things that they could be experiencing, but it just seems like that's the number is like one out of 10 or so. But I would say for the majority of, of people, that's not the case. And, and for me, um, whether I'm keto, not keto, um, exercising, not exercising, eating carbs, not eating carbs, I can take it and I'm fine. Um, and I don't experience anything. And I would say probably the more you use it, the more your body is going to be attuned to it and kind of hormetically adapt to it. So, um, not that it'll stop being effective, but even if there was some chance of that, you know, it's kind of like, getting paresthesis from beta alanine or something like you adapt to that over time. I think that's true of most anything. So even if you were the, the one out of 10, I believe in probably two weeks of using it, that would resolve itself. Gotcha. Now in general, I, 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 to back things up one more time, as one thing I wanted to mention is a lot of people are wondering like, okay, what's the big deal? Like why, why does it matter if my blood sugar levels are, you know, a little bit lower during some of these situations. And outside of the fact that there, there's a good study um, by the uh, American Journal of Diabetes or something, I recently saw it, where it showed that endothelial damage is worse if you have the blood sugar spikes and drops, spikes and drops. It's actually worse than if you just had an elevated blood sugar in the first place. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of blood sugar damage that people, or blood, there's a lot of like, vascular damage that people are causing themselves with their diets. But one thing that I've noticed that I think there's a lot of people don't understand, and I don't think the keto community always understands this either, is that when you, when you ingest carbohydrates, it doesn't necessarily all get like thrown right into fat storage. The issue with, with having a high blood sugar level and thus a high insulin level is that both blood, both blood glucose and insulin in the plasma prevent fat oxidation from happening. So it's not necessarily the fact that, oh, if I eat 100 grams of carbs, I'm, I'm probably, like for me right now, I'm probably not going to store that as, as fat, like right away. But um, you know, I think I, I would need to go to higher doses. But at the same time, when I do that, the, the, the entire um, 
the pathway of beta oxidation slows down a ton and it's, it kind of puts the fat burning at a halt. And so I, I pretty much say that, well, you know, burn the fat, not sugar. Why are you wasting your time burning this non-essential carbohydrate um, where I'd rather like finally perfect my fats and then, and then throw in the protein afterwards. But um, so I just want to state like, that's why we care about blood sugar, even as healthy individuals, when my blood sugar is trending below 100, below 90 especially, I definitely feel leaner. And then when I, I keep my blood sugar, I can, I'm able to you know, eat like an idiot and keep it above 110, 120 all the time. And the, even like when I have lower fat, higher carb, I just notice that I'm just not, not as sharp, not as lean at those times. And I really think it's because when that blood sugar is sitting around, I'm not beta oxidizing as much fat. So I'll, I'll cite the two studies yep. in the uh, YouTube description. They're, they're actually not even new or anything, but they just show that when you have insulin and when you have blood glucose a lot around, beta oxidation stops. So that, that's one reason why I care from a, a body composition perspective. Now, the question I have for you, though, is that, and that makes total sense, right? Like, why would you be burning fat for fuel when there's fuel available? You got to get rid of that sugar. It's going to I mean, it, it, your body is going to do like, you know, the, the path of least resistance, right? Use the least energy. Hey, there's fuel sitting right here. Why am I going to go through processes expending energy to create more fuel, to liberate more fuel that puts us at risk of survival? Remember that adipose is like break glass in case of emergency survival fuel. Why would it do that when there's a ready source available? Right. And I've heard of it called like oxidative priority. For instance, if you have, yeah. I, I think uh, alcohol comes first, <laughs> you got to get rid of that first, then the sugar, and then eventually you can burn, burn uh, the fat that you're eating for your diet. So you don't necessarily want to eat too much fat from your diet because then if you have that sitting around, you're not going to burn your own body fat either. So I think, I think there's some misconceptions that the keto dieters miss a lot of the times. Um, but I also prefer not to use my protein for energy. I want the protein to go towards muscle. So I like to pair the protein. If I'm in low carb mode, pair the protein with the fat. If I'm in low fat mode, pair the protein with the carbs. Um, and, and I try to keep them separate just for those, those reasons. So uh, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll cite those studies, but that gets yeah, the, the, the next one thing. Sorry. The, the one thing that you want to keep separate is the fat and the carbs. That's what That's I'm trying gonna, to say. Yeah. That's going to be disaster. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Yeah, I like to have protein around all the time, you know, especially if we're working out hard. So you go, let's say you go to the state fair and you're eating like fried double stuffed Oreos, you're doing all this stuff, and but yep. you've taken the berberine beforehand. Your blood sugar is going to, um, if you've timed things up properly, you got you have the berberine in your system, and then you go and you go hog wild versus a day where you haven't had berberine in your system, you go hog wild. The blood sugar levels are going to trend lower on the day you've had berberine. Where are those carbohydrates going? Like, what is this stuff doing? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, I think, one, it's being, like you said, uh, utilized. And then, two, it's being stored as glycogen uh, in muscle, liver, uh, et cetera. So um, the, the one place that you're hoping that it doesn't go as much is being uh, stored in the form of adipose tissue, right? So, um, and I think that's what we see, and that's the whole idea of body recomp and these glucose disposal agents and these recomp agents. Um, and that's one of the reasons, like when I was doing um, IC5, like I did the uh, cinnamon as well, because that seems to work along 
in conjunction with berberine is, is kind of a backup there as well. Maybe has a different timing, some different mechanisms, but, um, and then like naringin is actually just popping into my head. Naringin actually, there's a study that shows that it improves the bioavailability of berberine. So you can actually increase its effect or you could potentially lower its dose, but I like to full dose it and use naringin if possible, um, to get really enhanced effect. And there is a problem if you go too high for some people in berberine that I will say some people have the GI issue and this happens with metformin as well. Uh, but that's one reason that I think dihydroberberine could be really advantageous because it's the form like berberine converts to dihydroberberine, um, at the gut and, it's actually the the active form of berberine. So, and because it's the active form, and because it's at a much lower dose, you don't seem to see the GI disturbance. Right. Yeah. It seems like. Um, okay. I want to I want to keep on the path I was on, but then let's dive deep yeah, yeah. into, into okay. dihydroberberine because this stuff is fascinating. I love how it works. It turns, excuse me, turns back into berberine once you right. ingest it and it gets past the gut. So it's like got this crazy little cycle going on. Um, yep. so yeah, when I saw that, I was like, Oh, I get it now. And so I'd like to talk about that. I think what I'm trying to get at before is I've seen some studies showing that obviously when you eat carbs, you want it to go into our muscle. And so that's why I love to take it post-workout, uh, and training hard, doing high intensity interval training, clearing out my muscle glycogen, and then I want to batter it. And then I want to build it better protein and carbs after my workouts, what I'm doing. So, um, the question is, and so it, there was a study, there's plenty of studies showing that berberine makes your muscles more insulin sensitive. And that's where we want the glycogen to go. But let's say I am someone who's just taking a crap ton of carbohydrates. I've never worked out. I'm already over fat. I'm already, you know, like getting to my personal fat threshold. And I'm, I'm like just putting on more and more body fat. I'm not training hard, but I want to keep eating carbohydrates. Is the berberine going to drive if, if something like berberine with no other dietary changes, is the berberine going to drive the carbohydrates into my fat cells then? Like, does this require us to work out a little bit? That would be ideal. You know, like the, just that 10 minutes of walking, uh, post perandially or something could, could be highly effective, but it's been shown like metformin and berberine with even sedentary people to have a dramatic impact on blood sugar. And there's I say AMP-K, but if you look into berberine, there's about five different ways it's affecting blood glucose. Like, um, there's like, you know, uh, amylase and, you know, different enzymes it's affecting and up, it just seems to be miraculous on a number of levels for impacting blood glucose. So it's, it's certainly enhancing insulin sensitivity, but it's, in, it's, you know, working on utilization. It's working on uh, breaking it down. It's like, it just, it seems to be, wow. You know, like, that's why I say like, there's like, there's other ingredients out there. Like, I don't know, you know, that seem to work like bitter melon and cinnamon and, you know, other things, but like berberine just seems to best them all. Like if there was like the Highlander of glucose disposal agents, it's like yeah. the one rule them all or whatever the one ring or, I don't know. Then it's it seems to be berberine is is kind of the dominant guy. If I was to pick one, right? Yeah, it is like the king of these glucose disposal agent ingredients. The issue is, of course, that it seems that it's pretty rare, and that 
there's a lot of junk out there on the market and this is kind of what brought you to dihydroberberine. So let's, let's get into that. So we have this incredible ingredient. We have this, you know, in the proper research, the researchers have access to the lab tested good stuff and everything. So those lab, typically I, I would assume those research studies are so effective showing that berberine is actually, in my opinion, better than metformin because it did better things with the triglyceride levels, which are so very important. It did the, the lipid panels. I think the improvements there were better than what metformin did. If you look at like the cardiovascular disease ratios involved, getting triglyceride down HDL up, that worked with berberine better than metformin. I'm pretty sure about the HDL up, triglyceride yeah. down for sure. And so that is insanely, yeah. insanely awesome. But the researchers had the good stuff. On Amazon.com, you might not I, be getting the good stuff. So, yeah. And, the, and the, as you realize when you were testing things out, they're like, what, you said like 38 out of 40 or something failed your test or whatever. You're looking for something specific. And it seems that it brought you towards this dihydroberberine. So, how do we know what we're getting? How, we, how can we trust, like, out of all this berberine out there, and I'm, I want to take, let's say, 500 milligrams twice or three times a day. How can I trust that I'm getting what I want to be getting to get these effects that are kind of like the clinical ones? Yeah, I mean, look, so one, just going back to what you were just talking about, how they actually showed different effects in that study when used head to head shows that they're not working on the exact same mechanism right. that proves that. Uh, but as for like which ones are the ones that work, even uh, with dihydroberberine aside, uh, even if we're talking about berberine, I would, because I'm saying this is the number one ingredient to take, I'm saying spend the money, get the expensive one, and you know have your gold standard to test against. Do your blood sugar work, like you know get uh, a continual glucose monitor or get a um, glucometer and some strips mm -hmm. and test yourself. The strips are and really not that expensive. The, the yeah, use, use like, like 25 bucks. Use the thorn product or use the, you know, the IC five or, you know, something that I'm telling you like tests out. And then if you want to go try Joe's crab shack, <laughs> I don't know, uh, uh <laughs> supplement, then go try it and, and then test it and see if it like hangs because, now you have a standard to test against. That's good science. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to spend a lot of money the rest of your life. I mean, I'm saying it's worth it for that one supplement. I mean, like that's one supplement where I wouldn't mess around. But if I were to look for a cheap alternative, that's how I'd do it. I'd get the good one. Now I know the gold standard. Now I know what it feels like. I know what the numbers are. Mm -hmm. And then I can start playing around with some other products. Uh, obviously, you could send them out for testing, but you know that's the kind of cheaper, easier way—the hack that I just gave you. Um, as far as dihydroberberine, again, it is the metabolite. It is what berberine is converting to in the gut, and like you said, once it gets through the gut back to the plasma, it's converting back into berberine. So we're seeing that um, it's about five to six times more active. Uh, by using the dihydroberberine. So you're seeing instead of 500 milligram doses, you can cut it down to about 100 milligram dose and and have it be just as effective. So that's, that's pretty incredible that that's happening. Um, 
you know, because again, you're not getting the GI distress and you're getting like when you're using that lower dose now, like you can have other ingredients in a formula and have one capsule instead of several capsules. And, you know, it just opens the door for a lot of things. But, um, I'm a huge fan of dihydroberberine. It just seems to be more effective at a, at a lower dose, less GI distress, um, and then more potential to just take less pills. So dihydroberberine, is it just as simple as being two hydrogen atoms added to a berberine molecule or? Essentially it matters. It matters where it's bonded, but yes, I mean, essentially that's it. Uh, you know, it's, and then there's a form called tetrahydroberberine, um, that's active as well. But like we just talked about, it just seems like the, the dihydroberberine, um, because that's what it, it preferentially converts to at the gut just avoids, you know, that step. So, and right. So, mm -hmm. so the idea here, and, and there's a few really good studies showing this, the idea here is that you take rather than taking berberine and hoping that you absorb as much as possible, because it's got a really terrible bioavailability. Some of it gets converted to dihydroberberine, which makes it through to the plasma, which then gets turned back into berberine. You're, you're taking a new approach and you're saying, listen, that's a lot of rigmarole. Why don't we just take berber dihydroberberine straight through? That's going to make it through the gut quicker. And then once it's on the other end in the plasma, it's going to turn back to berberine anyway, but we're going to get far more of it through thanks to those, whatever those two hydrogen molecules are making it easier to get through. Um, it seems to be increasing bioavailability. So you get a whole lot more into the plasma and it can take less of it. Is that kind of a, a good way of explaining it? Like that's what I understand. Exactly. Yep, exactly. And then to your point about it actually does act a little faster as well. So, and that makes sense given what you were just saying. So, yeah, it's really got every advantage. I mean, again, like I would implore that everyone take berberine, but this is kind of what we call the super berberine. It's just the advanced one, the the better one, uh, the upgrade, if you will. So, um, but either way, I recommend take berberine, take dihydroberberine, take take one of them, mm -hmm. and just take it now. Make sure you're on it the rest of your life. Yeah, I, I, I like I said, there's nothing. There's no other ingredient that makes me feel so much different both in the mirror and in the mind um, than when I'm regularly on this one. You just said something that, that made a little light bulb go off in my head though. You said it might work faster. And I noticed so when I did the original IC5 review, I did my standard timing. I took the product, then ate the carbs, whatever. I did like kind of the standard timing I had and my blood sugar started to dip a bit before I caught onto those carbohydrates. And the standard like timing of a, a glucose disposal agent without the dihydroberberine form would have like I, I would have I, it would have timed up perfectly, but this stuff kicked in faster, and I just realized that it's because of what you just said with the dihydroberberine that the the kinetics must be faster or something like that, and I think for most users that's actually going to be far more convenient too because some of these yeah. glucose disposal agents are like oh you know take this pill wait 15, 30 minutes and then have your carbohydrates like dude no one's going to want to do that, but right. If I could take like the dihydroberberine with the first bite and it, it starts to do its thing and then the food catches up to it, then, um, then it's just going to be such a more, a better convenience factor too. If you're, you know, if you're one of the people that are taking this with carbohydrates. So that just kind of clicked. Like that's what happened there with me. Cause I was, I waited a little bit and I probably didn't need to given the dihydroberberine working so fast. Hmm. Yeah, it could be, could be. Well, cool. 
So, so dihydroberberine. Now, this is this is a metabolite, but it, it, it's patented, right? This is a patented trademark yep. kind of ingredient. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. We have patents on it, is and it is. Sean? I know you got a few. Yes. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, and it is uh, the trademark, the branded name um, of the studied patented ingredient is Glucovantage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, because there's a few formulas out there using the Glucovantage. This is from NMB Nutrition. We've we talked about their uh, their Mitoburn Beba ingredient as well last month, and and so really exciting stuff there. And there might be some synergy between them, but kind of a whole different different kind of worm. So we'll link back to that video on YouTube. But um, but with with Glucovantage, there's some pretty good products out there that we're noticing. When we wrote about the we wrote the original article up Burberry, and we mentioned Glucovantage and how much we like this stuff. It seems that it's it's um, that NMB Nutrition is willing to provide some lab tests that tests out and everything. And they, uh, they, there are also a few really good products out there that have it, such as um, I'm a big fan of, of Rob at the Genius brand. So he's got a pretty decent product. And he, I think he is pairing it with cinnamon, and that's it. So that, that mm -hmm. seems to be uh, he's stealing some of your notes over there. And yeah. so that one's called the Genius uh, Blood Sugar. I know, and there's a, there's a few of them, a few others out there that we can link to. But yeah, that was the first one that came to my head on top of the BioTrust one that we've been thinking of. Yeah, yeah. Rob is a good friend and amazing dude. And yeah, his product line is incredible. Like, I, I was repping him for several years before I even met him. And I'm known as, uh, as you know, like the world's greatest formulator. And like, people would ask me, like, well, what brand, like, you know, like comes to mind is just like really badass. And like, you know, obviously the ones I formulated, but I was like, I don't, you know, this genius brand just seems to kill it. Like, yeah. so, uh, the stem free pre yeah, exactly. And I ended up meeting him and, and really like connecting with him because obviously we have similar minds and I like how he doesn't cut corners and he uses, uh, non-proprietary blends, the full dose, uh, levels, the study back levels of the ingredients. He, try, he leans heavily on branded ingredients. Um, you know, and it makes his products like cost wise way more expensive. Like, yeah. you know, here's the thing, like his products, uh, are similar in price to most products out there, maybe slightly more expensive, but I'm telling you when it comes to cost of ingredients, there's like, he's, easily spending twice what other people are spending. So this guy isn't making a ton of money and he really, he easily could. He's doing the long play and, you know, trying to build a brand and is passionate about what he's doing and, um, and just won't cut corners and wants products that he would use and he believes in. And that's exactly how I formulate. So I'm a big fan of Rob. Yeah, yeah. If you look at a lot, of, a lot of his labels, have the trademark branded patented ingredients, uh, Glucovantage being one of them in the Genius Blood Sugar. I'm not sure what he's using for his cinnamon, but either way, it's it's uh, it's it's great to see for the people who want to have something that's just trusted and they don't have to want to like tinker around with a lot of things. You just go for a brand like that where you know that these guys are using, uh, you know, the, the high end stuff. And with something like with something like this form of dihydroberberine it's going to it's going to test out and it is the exact like molecule that you want and then um i don't know it shows on my blood blood work so how are you how are you taking it now are you taking given that you can use less dihydroberberine are you like 100 milligrams or 200 milligrams yeah. one two three times a day what are you up to yeah yeah 100 milligrams three times a day mm -hmm. okay 
I'm taking like twice that much right now. So maybe I, <laughs> should I dial it back or? No, I don't, you know, like as long as you're not experiencing, I mean, it, it's, it's a little pricey, you yeah, know, that's, right. thing, but, uh, if you can afford it, then go for it. And as long as you're not getting GI distress, then, you know, I say go, go all in. I mean, maybe that extra hundred milligrams is only, you know, 20% extra efficacy, but okay. you know, if you can, it and you can do it and you feel better on it then then go for it yeah, a lot of diminishing returns comes in there yeah and the, the honest truth is that that they had been sent in 200 milligram capsules from nmb nutrition themselves so uh -huh. i'm not i'm not losing any powder splitting those capsules in half or anything right. at some point right. uh and if you're watching on youtube you can subscribe to the channel ben or i are going to do a review uh messing with our blood sugar levels and doing some skin pricks and everything to 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 show just the the you know the the dihydroberberine on its own solo test because when i did do the ic5 experiment there were of course those other ingredients involved and it's, it's right. great to see the synergy and everything but to do a proper review of an ingredient we got to take that ingredient solo so uh, right. the capsules we do have are going to be 200 milligram ones um so in terms of cost though so it, it seems like there's going to be a sweet spot somewhere between maybe 100 and 150 200 milligrams in in a yeah. serving like how uh how, how would you like play it for like the, the regular consumers thinking about getting into that yeah. Again, I, you know, maybe I would start higher and then, uh, and you know, see how it affects you. Like I know most people would say start low and see how it affects you, but like, I want to kind of see max effect and then see if you're still getting similar effect as you, as you back it down. So I would say that same thing for you. If you're getting like, you know, great effect at 200, then seeing like, okay, does 150 do the same thing? Does 100 do like, how much am I losing for backing it off? But um, you know, it's, it's the, it's, the, it, this is the one, this is like the one that's worth spending the money on. So yeah. if you have to get the really good brand, if you have to like take the higher dose, like, I mean, do it. And, and again, one way to kind of amp up its effect, I would assume Bioperin might help, but I know for a fact, like the grapefruit juice, the Naringin, um, does increase its bioavailability. So that would be a way that in, if you were formulating, uh, you could save some money and still get a uh, really good effect from the dihydroberberine cool. at a yeah, lower. There's, yeah, there's a few other ingredients. Okay, that's a good little, good little guide there. And it almost sounds like even if you want to have, um, you could fit this into a small capsule and everything. You could fit a whole bunch of other stuff in, but it might, might make sense. There's a lot of different, you know, different formulas can do their own thing. So on the blog, we'll have links to all the products that contain uh, the dihydroberberine form. But it seems like you could have the all-in one that's just one super strong capsule, 200 milligrams. Or you could allow users to kind of tinker with their own dosing by having like 100 milligrams or 75 in one capsule. And then they could decide if they want to take one or two capsules. So it, it's kind of fun to watch what formulators do because everyone can do their own thing. This is just one ingredient we're talking about, but there is synergy with other things. So... Um, I, I kind of like the, the all-in kind of thing, but that also is going to cost more. So there's there's definitely yeah. multiple approaches that can be taken. You don't always need the kitchen sink, especially when you have a, a pretty efficacious ingredient like this all on its own. Um, Agreed. So we've kind of talked about like the the lowering of blood sugar levels, the, the general anti-diabetic effects. I've, I've kind of talked about, I'm not sure if you have anything more to add about like um, using it with carbohydrates in, in a, a muscular insulin sensitive state. So love it with carbs post-workout, drive as much of that into the muscle as, drive as much of the carbohydrates in the muscle as possible. Um, 
But we all, and then we, I, I kind of go down my rant about like how I think that lower blood sugar levels in general are going to indicate in general, this isn't always, but are going to indicate in general that I'm in a better state to be able to beta oxidize fat. Hopefully my own body fat if I'm trying to do that and not like a ton of whatever uh, cheese that I'm eating. But anyway, so that I've kind of like gone on that, the, the, the lean, the leaning effects of getting a lower blood sugar level. And then, um, and of course the lower insulin level, but then you also mentioned the anti-aging stuff. So you're, you're starting to talk about mitochondrial uh, health and, and just looking young, you know, no one wants to look like an old catcher's mitt. So can you get into that a little bit? Like how, how does berberine help with something like that? Yeah. Well, one of the, the primary ways that we get aging is ages and, uh, that's advanced glycation end products. And like I mentioned, with mitochondrial dysfunction that seems to happen over time, especially in, in an insulin resistance environment, we get that glycation, but we also get uh, inflammation that comes with it and oxidation. And it seems like uh, berberine is addressing all those as we're seeing like uh, it improved lipids, it improved inflammation, it improved blood sugar. And therefore, we're seeing it uh, improve mitochondrial function and we're seeing, uh, it being powerfully anti-aging because it's, uh, impacting those. And you can see not only your, uh, hemoglobin A1C, which is a longer term indicator of, uh, blood sugar levels. Um, you also see CRP, C-reactive protein, the inflammatory marker go down as well. Uh, as well as like a number of your lipids in your in your lipid profile should improve uh, like triglycerides like we were talking about. So um, pretty impressive like what's happening here. And again, this is probably the biggest reason it's not like the the body recomp and you know, I mean all that's cool, but like I mean, we all want to live longer and live better. And like I said, every chronic disease seems to be tied to, um, and, and it, or at least exacerbated by, uh, insulin resistance, elevated blood sugar. So, uh, if you can reduce aging and live a better life and reduce your risk of nearly all disease, I mean, like now we know like PCOS is like, uh, insulin resistance of the ovaries. We know like Alzheimer's is type three diabetes, right? It's like insulin resistance of the brain cells. And we're seeing this stuff over and over again in nearly all disease states. So that's why when you see like, when you lower uh, blood glucose, you're not just seeing quote unquote type two diabetes uh, improve. You're seeing like that whole metabolic syndrome host of issues improve, which includes hypertension and, you know, on and on and on. So this is why I totally recommend berberine over and over and over and over. Literally, you look up my name on, the, on Google, you type in Sean Wells, and the next term, the first term that pops up is berberine. Oh, really? The <laughs> uh, oh. biggest advocate in the world of it because, and it's not because I'm, I'm like tied to it somehow financially. I'm tied to it financially because I believe in it so much. Like that's is kind of the the chicken and the egg there. So. Um, this is just an incredible ingredient for your health. Right. Yeah. And what's great about this kind of thing is that you can see if you get enough blood tests or even just get the finger pricks, you can see it working all on your own. It doesn't, 
um, doesn't require a leap of faith. Like, I, you know, there's a zillion studies on creatine. So not everyone can like kind of see it working like that, where you can go prick your finger and know that your, you know, your creatine levels are a saturation or anything like that. Um, that's a little bit more challenging to do, but there's obviously a lot of benefits to it. But this is like, you could almost get instant biofeedback on yep. an ingredient like this. And that's why I just love it. And then you can get the more month to month biofeedback if you do the blood work. And um, yeah, so the question is for me, like, is this, can you put lipstick on a pig? <laughs> is this gonna allow people to keep eating the seed oils? Is this gonna allow people to, to like eat 500 carbs a day, like kind of nonsense? Or, you know, are, are we seeing in some of these studies, are we seeing like kind of a healthy user bias with it? Where people are starting to clean up their act while they're taking berberine? Uh, it works in the former situation. Like you can have the most horrendous diet and exercise and it will work. Is that like, am I going to recommend that? No, but I would recommend that over nothing. I think that's, you know, your, your health is, is your wealth. So like, I do recommend at least doing something. It's not ideal. Like I would recommend that you exercise and eat right and have a better lifestyle, but I would certainly recommend that every single person on this planet be taking berberine. I just recommend that. Nice. Like, period. So, um, there's, there's just no situation. I think you shouldn't be on it unless it's like you just, you do get GI distress. Then I would just back down the dose or I would, you know, enhance the bioavailability with some of the, the compounds I said, or use dihydroberberine. Right. So, um, but yeah, I recommend that everyone use it and um and get the health benefits like you said it's not just me like promoting it like you can go test it go test like how you feel go test your numbers both acutely and long term and you'll see all of your numbers change and improve whether you're already healthy or whether you're completely unhealthy you're going to see numbers improve you know, it's interesting, uh, and so I don't know how much time we have. We've gone, uh, what are we at, 50? Yeah, we've gone almost an hour here at this point. So there is a, um, a dietary theory from a man named Kean Foley, and he basically has this book called like, Don't Eat for Winter, where in nature, he notices that the, the times when it's bulking season is the harvest time, um, when we're getting ready for the quote-unquote hibernation. All you see the animals eating a lot of acorns, for instance. The, the pro, that's like one of the few things where there's actually carbs and fats uh, together. And that's where bears, we have... Bears eat uh, berries and fish. What was that? Bears eat berries and fish when they're, when they're bulking up for their hibernation. Right, exactly. So, so um, I wanted to like kind of test this. Like It's more of a, a natural end of the theory, though. But I saw there was a... Uh, a botanist, and I, I have the email. I saw that she was talking about, you know, harvesting her own berberine and uh, like from the, the bark of whatever she was uh, using. And I asked her, I saw so I emailed her and I said, well, it would make sense in nature if this stuff was most ripe when we have the most carbs available in the fall. So I just asked her real quickly. I was like, well, um, you know, saw your video. Thank you. Do the harvests of berberine, do you have a more potent berberine in the fall when you get it in the fall? And it's like kind of all I asked her. I didn't like kind of give her any ideas of like what I was going with. And she said, yes, actually, berberine is better in the fall. And it kind of just like it kind of brought things full circle for me in a way where she's able to harvest more berberine. Um, and that's the time in nature when it would make most sense to get the berberine in, because that's in the time in nature when there are more carbs avail available. And the, that's kind of like the time when we want to we want to keep everything we can 
and put it to the right places because winter is coming. And when winter really comes, we're not going to have a, t- you know, it depends on where you're from, obviously, but like my ancestors from the mountains of Italy, they're not going to have any carbohydrates available. So fall is the time to suck them in and fat, fatten up a little bit, put them in the muscle and everything. And it seems like berberine was actually a natural compound in nature that peaks in the fall at the perfect time to be able to do that. And then, and then it's time to diet. And so I, I, I've kind of gotten a little bit more into the seasonal types of things, but I, I thought it was pretty cool when uh, she confirmed that, you know, what I, my suspicions that it would make sense that in nature, this stuff is most utilized during the fall. So to something. That's so cool. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I've kind of tried to like go through all the different cases. I, I think one of the major points that I wanted to, to get across is that this isn't just for the anti-diabetic case, although that might be like the most urgent and the most important, but there's a lot of people uh, watching price plow who, are big carb users, but they're not diabetic. They're just training and getting after it. And they're interested in driving this, you know, driving those carbs into their muscles, but they're also, um, afraid of going hypo. And so those are the kind of the things, and I've never, I've never felt that, but I've also like, I have no, you know, no problem making ketones. So those are the kind of the, the major cases I wanted to consider. Uh, and then we got into the anti-aging. Is there anything else you want to discuss about this stuff? Uh, I think that's it. Um, some in- other interesting things with dihydroberberine is yes, it's five to six times more bioavailable orally, but it's yeah. about 30 X transdermally, which is crazy. So is there a uh, transdermal? Berberine I, no, no. So that's wide open right now. Yeah, I think I know Yeah. And then the other one is that so there's, let's, let's, let's go back to transdermal though. I mean, is this for the same purpose? Like, do, where, do yeah. you, where do you apply it? Do I apply it right to my love handle to make it, the, my love handles go down? Or like, what do you? I, I think, you know, I think largely it would be a systemic effect, but I think that there would be some localized impact and it would certainly be worth applying it where you're most voluptuous, I guess. <laughs> or, uh, okay, but, or do you want to p- apply it somewhere where there's going to, yeah, what are we trying to do? Are we trying to get it into our blood? Like, do you put it where you have a lot of veins or something like that? Or how would you? I, yeah, I mean, it really, it, it begs some experimentation here. I, I think if you're trying to affect like, uh, the body fat locally, maybe you would apply it on your love handles. But I think if you want kind of the quickest systemic impact, then yeah, it would be, uh, where you're most vascular. So what kind of dose would you do? Can I break up? I have a lot of questions now. <laughs> so <laughs> I got some coconut oil and I have these 200 milligram dihydroberberine capsules and I can measure very, I have one of those little, you know, drugs, drug scales. Um, if I wanted to, to do this transdermally, what dose would I approach this with? What would I do? And just assume I'm going to use coconut oil as my carrier. Um, I guess maybe like the, let's see, 10, 20, 20 milligrams, something like that. Um, yeah. And uh, using probably something like DMSO as like a carrier would be more ideal, but okay. yeah. And, and then at that point you don't need to take it orally. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I haven't directly experimented with this yet either. I mean, this is just what the studies say that it's about 30 times more bioavailable, which is interesting. And then there's a study with a, a bifidobacterium, um, that shows that there's some synergy with berberine and the gut. And there are some formulations that use berberine for gut health 
even though we've talked about there's some potential GI distress at high levels with the regular form of berberine, it does seem to still impact uh, gut health. And it may be at elevating ketones, um, reducing sugar, uh, improving leaky gut uh, symptoms, um, maybe also improving butyrate along with beta-hydroxybutyrate. There's like a kind of connection between those two. Um, so there could be a lot of ways it could be affecting the gut and improving the um, gut microbiome. So that actually requires some more research, but people have seen um, good effects there, and, and there is a study showing synergy um, with with it and bifidobacterium. So if I'm like a supplement formulator and I'm like, I want to make a probiotic, get in this market, but I'll, there's a bazillion probiotics, I got to do something different. Um, and I've liked I, I've liked a few of the approaches that the sports nutrition companies take because we we kind of tend to look at things from a different lens. But you're thinking that if if I'm making a probiotic, maybe throwing 25 to 50 milligrams of dihydroberberine might not yeah. be a terrible idea. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah, and um, company Designs for Health um, has the micro, micro X, got micro X, or so, something like that. They they've used that idea. I've seen some other companies okay. that have used the brain in that in that kind of concept to try and help with the gut microbiome and and reducing the um, uh, kind of dysbiotic state. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we should, we should talk about that someday because. I'm seeing, you know, this this whole gut microbiome thing and the inflammation that we have in there. It just seems like it's such a it's such a symptom of just our terrible, terrible eating and everything. And for me, everything has come back to the seed oils. For me, that's what I think is the most toxic thing in our food supply of all these ultra processed foods with all of them. And I almost think that sometimes the stuff's not as necessary if you just remove all that. But um, that that could be another topic for another date. But interesting interesting here are some of these other applications i've really i am interested in the, the whole topical thing um just out of i don't know i guess intellectual curiosity now were those studies done was that a human-based study i should know this but was it a human-based study or is it a rat study for the topical observer? uh that's a great question it's been a while since i've looked at it but about 90 percent sure that it was a human study um but yeah we should uh we should both look at that and play around with that I'm and uh, mess with it um, so it was just an interesting study that I stumbled into while I was doing all this, but, uh, I think we should, we should both, uh, experiment with that and see where right. it goes. Yeah. There's a, there's a couple of companies out there who aren't afraid to do topicals. Now, yeah, I need to emphasize a lot of times we've been talking about berberine as a supplement, a supplement to your diet. Supplements are orally ingested. Um, topical stuff is not supplemental anymore at that point topical becomes like a drug i forget i I don't know how the laws work but supplements in america talking fda laws are to supplement the diet and those are orally ingested so once you go topical i think the game kind of changes there yeah yeah agreed agreed yeah talk to your lawyer on that one that's as much uh, lawyering as i'm I'm gonna give you on this uh but overall i mean berberine is a compound found in nature dihydroberberine is a metabolite of that of it so uh seems like there's no compliance issues in terms of either of these ingredients that we've talked about it's been in the food supply for forever it's in tons and tons of plants and everything so um not a, i would never be at all worried and, about putting this into a supplement it's kind of like doing it uniquely and putting into the one that's going to work for the right users that are basically your you know your audience and my last point on this going back to cost so berberine like you can get it for 
super cheap like if you're looking for raw materials but again like to get stuff that i found actually tests out is literally about five times the the price of some of the really cheap stuff uh, from China. So, uh, and then to go from there to create dihydroberberine, you need berberine as the raw material. So it's even more expensive. So, you know, this could be like 10x what like some fake knockoff powder is. You know that that's the cheapest stuff you could get out of China. That's just spiked adulterated garbage. Yeah, what were you uh, finding? Oh man, like, I mean, yeah, it was just, it was other, other alkaloids, um, but you know, that have some benefit on blood sugar, you know, similar to like, you know, green tea, polyphenols and, um, you know, things like quercetin, whatever, like stuff like that was in there. But, uh, and certainly they were much higher in heavy metals and some other issues, but, um, you know, it just, it's not berberine. It's not like berberine. I'm telling you, like, don't mess with this one. Like, get the real yeah. deal right. and see for yourself. Just see for yourself. All right, good. Well, yeah, I, I, I've been sold long, long since been sold on this ingredient. And, uh, yeah, I, I notice when I'm not on it. It's, there's very few outside of caffeine, like I said, that I don't that I notice as well as this one. Um, the effects have been great, and I really owe much of it to you because as a low-carb dieter, I would have otherwise been afraid to use it if it weren't for Sean Wells coming on the podcast and being like, no, nah, dude, you can make ketones. It's ketogenic. You got this. And so I, I took it to the test, and um, yeah, I, I, if I'm traveling, I know, you know there's, I'm not always low-carb. I'm not like out here trying to prove a point or anything, and I actually do cycle my carbs, like I said. So when I know that I'm going to go get nasty, I, I definitely bring it along for the ride, and I'll sit at the table and I'll pop a couple pills and do it. And, you know, honestly, I don't think twice about it. It just becomes part of the the whole part of the routine. Same. Like I I used to be militant keto and like, you know, because of berberine, it's allowed me to kind of open up and uh, and kind of experiment more with like targeted and cyclical and just, yeah, literally cycling on and off. And just when I travel, like kind of being wide open and not beating myself up about this or that or if I'm at some amazing restaurant with some people just enjoying it and, and, um, you don't want to be the only person. I mean, okay. If you're, I'll disclaim some of this, but you don't want to be the only person at the table, not eating the dessert, unless you know, it's going to like, you know, mentally send you off into this crazy spiral and you're going to be off the wagon for three weeks. That point it is worth being militant because some people know that they can't take the dopamine hit of the sweetness. But if you're, if you're regular Sean or Mike, you don't want to be that guy at the table. You know, like that's my opinion. Right. Eat the burberry, exactly. eat, the, eat the cake. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, uh, definitely final, final say is just, just try it. And I'm, I can't wait to hear what, what people think, what they find with their numbers, because this one isn't, isn't hype. It's completely provable. You can completely look at numbers mm-hmm whether through labs or gluco, uh, like a continual glucose monitor or glucometer. Um, and I want to hear the feedback. Excellent. Well, Sean, thank you so much for your time. I know time is super valuable. You're doing tons and tons of things. You can be followed at zone halo on Instagram. Um, and I'm not sure about your, your Facebook. Sean just, yeah, Seanwells.com or, or, uh, at zone halo on Instagram is good. Excellent. And so thanks again. We're gonna we're gonna be back talking about some other stuff. We gotta we gotta get into MCT at some point. We gotta talk about 
Um, just the different keto salts and everything, BHB salts and all that at some point. There's a lot of stuff. Uh, the grains of paradise we haven't even brought up here. Yeah. So there's a lot of other ways that we could help amplify things here. But in general, I wanted to have this one discussion on berberine, some of the you – know, and just all the stuff we talked about. So I think we covered it. Thanks again for coming on. And uh, once we get this published, we're going to have some links back to our older discussions. And we'll have a link to our berberine page on the Pricewell blog where we have some of these – these uh, products that have dihydroberberine inside because um, like the Genius brand, for instance, very exciting stuff. And like I said, with that IC5 review I did, I was floored when I saw that blood sugar going down instead of up. So very, very cool stuff. Thanks again, Sean. Yeah, thank you.